Amen. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me once more to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. We continue our journey through this New Testament book of Holy Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. Hear now the word of the living God. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things, after my decease. This is the word of the living Christ, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Now, righteous Father, we thank you and praise you that we do have our Lord Christ, who is a friend of sinners. We thank you that in his friendship and love with his people, those to whom he is united, he gives us his voice through his word, and we pray that we would hear that word this day. Give us what we need to receive it, to believe it, and to grow in it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Every passage of scripture is indeed weighty, crucial and important. The Word of God says that Scripture itself is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through every place within the soul of the human individual. But this passage is weighty for, among other things, it's a passage about the thoughts of a dying shepherd. This passage is a passage of scripture where an apostle knows that soon he will leave his tent or leave his body. Boys and girls, Peter knows that soon he will die. And a question on his mind is this question, what do the saints need? What do they need? Now Peter, make no mistake, does not believe that he has everything that they need in himself. But he believes that he knows the one that they need. And so he says, in the midst of a discussion about how he will leave his tent, or how he will die, that he will not be negligent to do something. The dying apostle will not be negligent. When you face your own mortality, when you think about those days, should the Lord allow, where you have weeks or months or just a few years left, what is it that you think you will not be negligent in doing? Well, Peter's question, at least in 2 Peter chapter 1, is that he will not be negligent to always remind the saints of certain things. Peter explains what his aim is. He says, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. If you've been with us, the these things of which he speaks are the things contained in the first 11 verses of first, Second Peter. But just to remind us all, in verses 2 through 4, Christ's provision is mentioned. 
we looked there several weeks ago, that we have a precious faith through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, and that we have all things because of his promises and his power that we need for life and godliness. Secondly, the these things that Peter speaks of is our responsibility to grow in this faith. Verses 5 through 9, we are to flesh out our faith. We're to add qualities to it, like knowledge and virtue and godliness and self-control. But as we saw last week, there are benefits when we do this. The benefits of adding these qualities to our faith, of living in this faith which is precious, which Christ has forged for us, are benefits that help to keep us on the path and to keep us assured in his grace. So all of these things, Peter says, as I'm approaching my death, I will not be negligent to remind you of. I want us to see three aspects in this short section of Scripture. What do the saints need? What did they need in the first century? And what do they need today? Well, three things, and then we'll look at them individually. The saints of God need to be reminded. The saints of God need to be stirred up. And the saints of God need to be supplied with his word. So let's look firstly then at Peter's lack of negligence in reminding them. He says as much, doesn't he? I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, perhaps someone much younger than you, living in your house, known as your child, and you say to that individual, I need you to do this, or I want you to remember this, and right away they say to you, I know, Dad, I know, Mom, as if knowledge means they don't need to be reminded anymore. Now, in fairness, sometimes we remind individuals of things that they already know because we're afraid that they won't act on that knowledge. Peter, not a father to all of his readers, kind of takes the same posture. Even though you know and are established in the present truth. I know that you know this, but I'm reminding you of it. And he says, you're established in the present truth. Now all of 2 Peter is about knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, but what is the present truth? We could guess, but the best way to read a passage of scripture is to look at the context. Has Peter said anything before about truth or knowledge or faith and where it's found? What is the present truth that he's referring to? Well, I think it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he tells us as much in verse one. Look there. He says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. You're in the faith. You have the truth. But then notice what he says next. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ and what he's come to do is the present truth that these saints are established in. Now maybe you're here today and you're wondering what all the fuss is about. I mean, Jesus was a, a good man perhaps. He did some interesting things. Maybe he did some miracles, but, you know, why are all these Christians all that jazzed about Jesus? Well, I want to take you to that phrase in verse 1 of Second Peter chapter 1. 
that the faith, that Christianity is centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ, but that the Bible describes who he is and what he's done. We're not free to tinker with who he is, and we're not free to guess or tinker with what he's done. The scripture makes clear that Jesus Christ, the eternal second person of the divine Godhead, put on flesh, he became man and dwelt among us some 2,000 years ago. It's an historical fact. And he lived a life perfectly pleasing to God. And then... In his fourth decade, he went to the cross. And there, he bore the wrath for sinners, past, present, and future, all sinners who would ever trust in him. And thus, he is the answer to all of the Old Testament cries for a king. He's the answer for all of the Old Testament cries for a prophet. We need someone to just tell us the truth. He's the answer for the Old Testament cries for there to be sacrifice and blood spilt to cover our sins. Will the Lord ever provide a once-for-all sacrifice so that all of my sins can be washed away? So that I can have a relationship with the God who made me? And that even though I have been very negligent in following his law, and even though I've hated him with my heart throughout much of my life, as he's changed me, there's a covering, which means day after day after day, I have communion with the triune God, and that my sins do not stand in the way, my failures do not stand in the way. Will there ever be such a blood? Will there ever be such a priest? And the answer of the New Testament to all of the longing of the Old Testament is, it is Christ. This is the present truth that these saints are established in. And yet, Peter says, I want to remind you. I'm not going to be negligent to remind you. Even though you know. You see, saints need regular reminders of Christ, who he is and what he's done. We often think that it's the world that needs to hear about Jesus. But brothers and sisters, we need to hear about Jesus. We need to see him in the pages of his word. We need to see how the Old Testament longs for his coming, points to the fact that he is coming, that he is the hope of all the ages. We need to see in the Gospels as we read of him the precious gentleness that he has with sinners. Do you remember the woman who once said, come see the man who told me all that I ever did? You remember the grieving sisters who saw their brother raised by the man who wept over his death. Do you remember the woman in the midst of a crowd ready with zeal to stone her? And the Christ who bends down and says, go, sin no more. Do you remember in the pages of Scripture the man who denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times and seeing Jesus gently and yet firmly restore that sinful follower to himself? I have a task for you, Peter. When you rise, I want you to shepherd. I want you to love your brothers and sisters. 
We read of Christ in the Gospels. We see of his apostles sent out to teach us what he's done. Our brother prayed it this morning that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's you, Christian. That's me. That God is rich in mercy toward you, believer, in Christ Jesus. You see, all that we need every day of our lives is found in him, and we need regular reminders of him. And part of the reason that Peter is going to say you need to be reminded is because in just a few verses, he's going to tell them there are going to be people who teach you other things, and they're false things. So I know you know, but listen to me. Peter says. I'm not going to be negligent to remind you. The saints need to be reminded. And look at Peter's posture, verse 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. If you've walked with Christ for any length of time and you've come to understand him in his word, even though there are moments where you feel spiritually dry and down, the regular occurrence of coming and sitting with his people, singing his praise, hearing his word preached, gathering at his table. Many Lord's Days, seeing a a, a believer being baptized in his name. This is a precious reminder. And the Lord has given it to us because we need to be reminded. But you know, Peter also says we need to be stirred up. Look at what he says. He says, though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent. Now, boys and girls, I've said this a couple of times, but Peter is not camping here. He's not living in the woods in a tent. It's his way of saying, I'm living in this body. Soon, my soul will be separated from this body, and I will leave this And he uses the word tent. He says, as long as I am in this tent, this body, this physical life, to stir you up by reminding you. Now, why do they need to be stirred up? That Greek phrase there, stir up, could be translated, I need to wake you up. I need to rouse you. You see, not only do we need to be reminded, but we do need to be stirred up. The implication here is that there are times when Christians can become lazy, sleepy, cowardly in the faith. And Peter wants to remind them so that he might stir them up. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of of reminder that you may be mindful of the words. Again, only those that have become lazy, sleepy, lethargic, cowardly, doubting need to be stirred up. You know, that's you and that's me, brothers and sisters. In the Christian life, we have many experiences and there are some mountaintops But there are seasons where we just need to come and we need to regularly sit under the preaching of the word because we need to be woken up again. We need to be stirred up in the knowledge of Christ. What does this look like? Well, you know, you walk into the the church and the people are singing the praise of God. They pray together. They confess the faith. They hear the word read and Then a minister stands behind a pulpit and speaks of Christ. 
And it's things that you already know. Maybe the text is Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. And he continues and he gets to Ephesians 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy, and you know that. You know that. But in that moment, through the preaching of the word, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you are stirred up because your thoughts begin to meditate, aided by the Spirit, on what it means for you to have been dead and then for God's rich mercy to envelop your soul. You begin to say, such a merciful God. The sin that I've been toying with in the past week, I want to put it down. He is a God of mercy to me. Or maybe the minister stands here and he's preaching from the Old Testament. He's in 1 Samuel, first couple of chapters. And you read about that priest who's given charge over Samuel, devoted to the Lord by his mother. And then you read about how that priest was negligent in caring for his own family. Ultimately, it became a curse on him and his priesthood. And you say to yourself, living God, may that not be said of me. I've been too lazy and too cowardly for too long in how I've cared as a mother or a father for those in my charge. And you say, thank you that you have seen fit to bring this word to my soul today. And you're stirred up. Or maybe the minister is preaching through the book of the Revelation. And you've made it through the bowls and you've made it through the trumpets. <laughs> and there's been a declaration of who the 144,000 are. You've even made it to the passage on the millennium about which everyone disagrees. And he arrives at Revelation 21 and he's been preaching through Revelation for a year or two now. And for whatever reason, by the grace of God, in the preaching of the word, you are stirred up by the Spirit as the minister says, I saw a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven prepared for God, adorned as a bride. And then you hear, you hear it. You've read it in preparation. You knew it was coming. Your small group has talked about it times before, but you hear it proclaimed in that moment. Behold, I make all things new. And for whatever reason, because of the grief of your life, the suffering of the days in which you're in, you, for the first time in months, cling to that, and you are stirred in your soul to the comforts of the grace of Christ. You see, Peter says, I'm not going to be negligent as long as I have breath to remind you, because you'll forget, and to stir you up, because you will face times of laziness, perhaps times of doubt, Times of fear. And what we need in these moments is to be stirred up by the reminders of Christ. Let us, brothers and sisters, not think that the faith is a faith of moving on to the bigger things. How much more could Peter have told them? I'm sure there was a lot of facts Peter could have written in this second letter. Peter received revelation from the living God. But here, as he speaks of his death, this dying shepherd says, I want to remind you (laughs) of what you already know. I want to remind you of what you already know. So what do the saints need? Well, brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded always 
We need shepherds who are not negligent to remind us of the things of Christ. But we need to be stirred up. We need to be reminded, we need to hear the word so that we might be stirred up again. But you know, Peter then says this, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Now, boys and girls, Peter is saying here that he knows that Jesus has told him that he's going to die. I don't think that we need to think of that as a scary thing. In fact, it's very likely that Peter's referencing here what happens in John chapter 21. You can turn over there with me if you like. The Gospel of John, just a few books to the left. There's that last encounter that Peter has with Christ. Jesus restores Peter. And in John chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And then John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. So scripture tells us that Peter uniquely had an encounter with Christ where Jesus gave him a little bit of information about how in his later years, his gray-haired years, he would be martyred for the faith. And Peter, now approaching those gray-haired years, says, Jesus has shown me that I must put off my tent. Now, it's, of course, possible that Peter is also, in his own role as an apostle, received further revelation about this. This is not a pattern for what we should expect. Let me be perhaps slightly controversial this morning. Um, 2 Peter 1 verse 14 is not a model for you to follow in terms of your prayer life. So if, for instance, you were to come to me and say, Jesus just revealed to me that I'm going to die soon. I would lovingly try to listen well, but I would want you to understand that now that the revelation of God is finished in the New Testament, we are to walk with Christ through the pages of his word and that it would be unlikely that the Lord Christ whispered in your ear and said to you, you're going to die soon. No, this is not a pattern for us to follow, but rather, Peter is saying that his physical death is coming soon. As an apostle, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with the gifts and ministry of an apostle, he says, I'm going to die. So he says in verse 15, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Boys and girls, that word decease means death. After I'm gone, after I've died. It could be translated after I have departed or made my exodus. So what does he mean? I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. Well, this points to Peter leaving behind an account of these things. 
Some scholars speculate that Peter is talking about this very letter. He's in the middle of writing it. Part of my goal here in writing you is that you will have a a regular written account of this. Some scholars speculate that it's possible that Peter is referring to the gospel of Mark. Because Mark likely wrote his account, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with Peter's aid as one who walked with Christ. But either way, Peter is speaking here of, thirdly, the saints being supplied. Being supplied with the written word of Christ. The written word of the scriptures. You see, there's the importance of Christ's community having his written word. Now, why would he be thinking this? Many Christians would be thinking to themselves, I need to write my will. I need to get my affairs in order. Peter is saying, I'm going to make sure before I leave that you have a reminder of these things, an account of these things. Well, look at the next few verses. The rest of this chapter speaks about the scriptures. And then in chapter 2, we get an entire chapter on people who twist the scriptures. You need the word. You need the written down, revealed revelation of Christ by his spirit. You need to be supplied with it. That's what the saints need. We need to be supplied with the word. So we need to be reminded, we need to be stirred up, and we need to be supplied. That's why it's very important boys and girls, the work that's happening all around the world today. Men and women, sometimes moving their families halfway across the world and meeting new people who don't know anything about Jesus and then getting to know them, making friends of them, eating in their homes, eating food that they don't really like. And then as they become friends with them, sharing about their life. And then learning their language over time. It's not, it's not a fast thing. And in the New Testament, the Lord gave his apostles, several others, the ability to speak in other tongues. But it's often a lifelong endeavor to learn a language well enough so that you can help the scriptures to be translated into that language. It's not a new language, but the people have never heard about Jesus. And as you're telling them about Jesus, you're spending 20, 30, sometimes 40 years learning that language and then going letter by letter. Imagine what it's like when you're translating the scriptures and you get to John 3.16 and you have your pencil or nowadays your keyboard in front of you and you begin to think, how do I accurately say in this tongue, in this language, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, including this tribe, this people, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The saints need to be supplied with the word. But of course, brothers and sisters, it's not saints to be halfway across the world who need scripture translations. It's us. We need to be supplied with this word. And by God's grace, we have been. 
How will we recognize false teaching when it comes our way? We have the true and real in front of us. So what do the saints need? They need to be reminded. They need to be stirred up. And they need to be supplied. Peter says, I will not be negligent. I'll be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. Well, let's review, brothers and sisters, what do we need? Well, we need to be reminded because we so often lose focus. We so often forget. We need to be stirred up by reminders of Christ because we so often can become sleepy or lazy in the Christian walk. And we need to be supplied with the word because it keeps us from error. Peter's dying question. The thoughts of a dying shepherd, really. I will not be negligent to tell you what you already know. You have him. His name is Christ. Here is what he's done. I want to remind you of him. I want you to be stirred up in reminders of him and I want to supply you with reminders of him for after I'm gone. This is Peter's focus in providing for the sheep. Let's pray. Living God, we pray this day that you would give our hearts through your word with which you have supplied us regular reminders of Christ We pray that you would stir us up, call us out of lethargy, fear, laziness, sleepiness in the faith. Help us to take up with our ears and in our hands the word with which you've supplied us. And we pray, O Lord, that you would help any who are here today who've never savingly heard of Christ and what he's done. We ask your blessing on all of the souls in this place today in accordance with your will in Jesus' name. Amen.